0: Together, Jeremiah. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 4. Jeremiah continuing to bring word <clears throat> to the southern kingdom, Judah, the one that at least followed God some of the time, but at this time for Judah, there. Kind of out of, off track, off kilter. Anybody ever been off kilter in their walk with the Lord? Yeah. And uh, that's the way the southern kingdom is right now. And part of their problem, part of the issue, part of the struggle that they're having is willful disobedience. Well, they know what's right, but they won't do it. They don't want to do it. In fact, they want to do what they know is wrong. And they want to continue to do what they know is wrong. And we'll see him turn from willful disobedience. And as that continues to, uh, to take them down that road, they're going to go from willful disobedience to deliberate ignorance. And then they're going to neglect their salvation. And that is a dangerous road to travel hopefully it'll bear witness to you and I to to think about where we are at. Here's what the Lord says in verse four. Moreover, you will say to them, thus says the Lord, will they fall and not rise? Will one turn away and not return? God says, listen, look at natural, your natural life. And here's how it works, your natural life. You fall down, you get back up. If you go somewhere, you return. If you didn't, something's wrong. And so the Lord says, here in the natural world we see this. Why has this people slidden back Jerusalem in a perpetual backslide? They hold fast to deceit. And they refuse to return. They had gone down the road and decided, hey, I think we want to stay here. That's a sad place to be. It's a sad place to be where you reject the truth of God and say, you know... I've heard that, I've heard that. I've I've had opportunity many times to to share the Lord with people. And as I share the Lord with them and hear them turn the Lord down over and over and over again, sooner or later they stop coming. Sooner or later their decision is made and they're going to head off headlong in the opposite direction from what God wants to do in their life. And like we were talking about in the prayer, you know, Francis Chan does this... uh, uh illustration where he brings out this string and really if you th- think about your life as this string and it say that string went all the way across the church here the portion of that string that is your life on earth compared to the eternity that you spend with god is so small a dot on that string you can't even see it yet it's 70 years but what you do with that dot affects your eternity where you go, where you'll spend eternity. Will you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or will you reject him and decide, no, I, I want everything that the world has to offer. Because think about what you, what's being traded there, that little dot on the string, for the rest of it. And they may think, you know, while I'm living this life, and I, I honestly, I've lived the life, so, so I have no idea how someone thinks this, but they may think, hey, man, I'm getting over This is great. I'm loving it. I'm having a great time. So for that dot, they'll spend eternity outside of the presence of God. And whatever on that dot, in their, in their crazy, sinful experience and rejection of the Lord. Whatever on that dot that really brought to them satisfaction and enjoyment is gone. Because the Bible says all good things come from God. So the absence of God means the absence of all good things. For eternity. It's crazy. But here's Israel. Israel experiencing the presence of God... And, and going into this constant backsliding, right? If we study through uh, the Pentateuch, we just finished Deuteronomy, we're getting ready to start study Joshua, where we'll see the victory as they enter into the land, and then we got Judges right on the heel, right? And Judges tells us what? That the better Israel does, the worse they do. As soon as things get good, they mess up. Up and down, up and down. Walking with the Lord, fallen. Walking with the Lord, falling. Rejecting God, rejecting God. Pretty soon we get to Jeremiah, they don't want to come back anymore. They don't care. It's just my father's tradition. Yeah, we have to go. And you go to Israel today and you go down to the Wailing Wall. The wall, that that, uh, the temple, the foundation stones for the Temple Mount, I should say, that is the closest point that the Jewish person can come to, to the Holy of Holies to pray. That's why they go there. It's not because they think anything about them stones. It's the closest point that they can get to the Holy of Holies. And they pray there. Generation after generation after generation doing it because that's what their fathers did. Not because they believe. Doing it because that's their tradition, that's their ritual. And here in Jeremiah, that was the issue, man. They won't turn around. They won't turn around. They won't come back. They refuse to return. In verse 6, I listened and heard, but they do not speak right. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? It says, no, think about the story of the prodigal son. We know the story of the prodigal son. He, he says, I hate my father. I wish you were dead. So I can have the inheritance now and go spend it. So his dad gives him his part of the inheritance, and the son goes away. Lives his life and riotous living, partying, doing all that stuff. And then the, the economy takes a, a crash. And he looks around for all them friends that he had when he was partying. Now that he don't have any money, where are they? Same place they are if you party today. Hey, man, if you got the dope and the cash, you got lots of friends. You run out of dope and cash, you don't have any friends. I say those ain't friends. They never were. But he, in that place, he finds himself having to clean out a pigsty. And as he's cleaning out the pigsty, he's looking at the food thinking, man, is really good food. I, I wish I could have some of this, but they wouldn't give him any. And then what did he do? He said, what am I doing here? How did I get here? But you see, Israel isn't doing that. They're in the pigsty, in the slop, and satisfied to stay there. Satisfied to curl up in the mud. So he says they don't they don't repent, they don't turn, they don't say, what have I done? Everyone turned to his own course. As a horse rushes into the battle, I do whatever I think is right. The proverb says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. That we do what we think is right, we're never going to be right. We're going to find ourselves further and further down the road in opposition to what God wants to do. So what do we have to choose to do? Listen, we have to choose to do what God laid out for us to do. Where do we find what God laid out for us to do? Right here in our laps. The Word of God. It's there. We've probably, most of us, read it over and over many times. But it's one thing to read it, and it's another thing to do it. And God's interested in those who will do His Word. Not just hear it continually and not be changed not have your life turn around, not have your life go into a different direction and then in verse 7 he says they have deliberate ignorance, look what he says even the stork in the heavens knows her appointed times, and the turtle dove, the swift and the swallow San Juan Capistrano, swallow always knows when to go home it's amazing, nobody has to tell it Congress doesn't have to get together and see if it's okay Nobody has to say, oh, you know, somebody needs to set the alarm for the swallows. No, the swallows know when they're supposed to go home. But God's saying in comparison to that, my people, they don't know when it's time to go home. They won't turn around. They won't come back. But my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? That was their boast, man. Their boast was, oh, yeah, we have a special relationship with God. He brought us out of the wilderness and we have his temple and we have his scriptures. Great, wonderful, marvelous. But if you're not doing them, if you're not living it, what what is it? How are you different than the Gentile or the pagan outside? How are you different than the unbeliever? He says, listen, you say we're wise, we have the law, but look, the false pen of the scribes certainly works falsehood. The scribes, their job was to teach the word, to write down the word, but their philosophy of life was distorted. You see, they were in the ministry for what they could get. What can we get? How do I get over how do I get a better car, a nicer place to live? How do I get all these things? Well, let's fleece the flock. There's a lot of people that do that still today. There's a lot of people that still have that, that idea, that mindset that says, hey, let's, let's, let's rip them off. So here the people who are supposed to teach the word aren't telling the people what to do. You got Jeremiah on his own saying, man, what's going on? What are you guys doing? And all these other people, scribes, prophets, they're saying, uh, don't listen to him. Just keep coming. Keep buying my tapes. Keep buying my books. Keep lining my pockets. It's okay. Everything's fine. Peace, peace. When there is no peace. In uh, 2 Timothy, the scripture lays out for us, we talked about it a little bit this morning, that we are to be... Students of the word of God, study to show yourself approved, right? A workman of God, what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Does that mean there's a wrong way to divide the word of truth? Sure, people come to your door on Saturday morning and do it wrong all the time. People will come and put their faith in a, in a group of writings that is, is barely even 100 years old. And they'll say, this is better, it's newer than the Bible that's been around for thousands of years. They'll say, put your faith in this book. And you say, well, let me see that. Where are some of these places? We don't know. Just take it by faith. Doesn't your bosom burn? Doesn't the truth burn within you that it's true? I don't know, brother, I can open up any page of this and I can walk to that. I can go look at the ruins. I can dig in the ground and, and find the, the, the swords and the arrowheads and the things. I can look at it and say, everything this book tells me is absolutely true. Absolutely true. I need to rightly divide the word of truth. It matters. Truth makes a difference, but they were speaking Falsehood. He says, the wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they have? You reject the word of God and wisdom goes out the window. You want to wonder if that's true? Look at the educational system in our country. What it was and what it is. There was a time that most Of the big name, big institutions were areas where people were trained to rightly divide the word of God. They were training pastors, people to go forward with the word. And little by little by little that changed. Pretty soon, the only thing that says in God we trust in our country anymore is the cash that we run around with. And one day they'll try to take that too. There's no prayer in school God forbid you pray, because so many bad things happen when you do that, you know? And what do we see? A decline in what? The morality of our country. The morality of our country, you look at, just draw yourself a timeline, and look at when prayer came out of school, and watch the decline of this nation. Look at when they took the Word of God out of school. When I went to school, when I was in high school, You could still study the Word. You can still take a class. Now, albeit it wasn't the greatest class, but you can still take it if you wanted to. And when they had a baccalaureate, the celebration for graduation, all the local pastors got together. They bust us to church. And they had a pastor pray over us and bless us and, and, and pray that God's blessing would go with us as we go forward. Now, in order for them to say, God bless you at a baccalaureate service or a graduation service, they have to sneeze and somebody has to respond to the sneeze. Because, you know, we can't do that. Our country, moral decline. Once you reject the word, you have no wisdom. You have no wisdom. It's amazing. It's so simple for me to look at the world, to look at the things that we see, the things that they find uh, um, ge- uh, geologically, the way the rock formations are, the fact that they've got, they've got uh, fossils of fish in the middle of Kansas. Anybody ever been to Kansas? There's no ocean there. It's like a long ways away from it. Wouldn't you agree? But what we're going to do is we're going to spin some yarn about how, you know, that occurred instead of just realizing that, you know what, I see the truth of a flood, that the world was swallowed up by water at one time. But the Bible says they would willfully deny the flood. They'll look at the evidence and and find a hundred different things to talk about it. Oh, that would be this or that would be that. Went to the Grand Canyon this last year. Pretty amazing thing to see. I'm at the Grand Canyon, and of course, anybody talked to at the Grand Canyon, this took 700 bazillion years. This, this drop of water falling off of the, the tree here, and it kept hitting in the same spot and eventually made this big giant hole. Uh, that's a little ridiculous, but that's how their argument sounds to me. <laughs> Sound, actually, it sounds like Charlie Brown. More, 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 more. <clears throat> And then you go to Mount St. Helens and you watch Mount St. Helens where in seconds a mini Grand Canyon was formed caused by a explosion and the eruption in Mount St. Helens. In an instant, it's done. That took billions of years. Water just dripping. Maybe it was formed in a flood when the fountains of the earth opened up. Fountains of the earth, like volcanoes. And they erupted and we had this cataclysmic event where the world was flooded. But they throw out the Bible, they throw out the truth, they throw it out and they throw out wisdom at the same time. So he says in verse 10, so therefore I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them because from the least even to the greatest, everyone is given the covetousness from the prophet even to the priest. Everyone deals falsely. Everyone is given to covetness. Everyone is covetous. They want what their neighbor has. In the United States, we call that keeping up with the Joneses. That way it doesn't sound so bad. Sorry, Joneses. I don't think we can keep up with you guys anyway. (laughs) But that's the idea. We, We paint it. We make it look nice. But the reality is everyone is covetous. From the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. Again, the prophets, the priests, the leaders, the teachers, out for cash and not out for the truth. So what were they telling the people? For they have healed the hurt of my daughter, of my or the daughter of my people slightly saying peace peace when there is no peace that's the second time we've read that same phrase bringing that false message peace peace when there is no peace there was no peace babylon was on their way jeremiah is trying to tell the people what they need to do and everybody else is saying not jeremiah don't listen to him everything's going on like it always has It's all going to work out. But that wasn't the case. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they will be cast down, says the Lord. Listen, they were sinning with a high hand. The scripture calls it willful sin. There's no sacrifice for willful sin. There was no sacrifice. The Old Testament... For a willful sin. That for someone who chooses, I know what to do. I'm not going to do it. I know this is wrong. I know this is sin. I'm going to do it anyway. Willful sin. There was no sacrifice. It's called sinning with a high hand. It's like rejection of God. It's a hand that says God I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he says here they don't even know how to blush. They don't know how to be ashamed. think about Palm Springs every time I read that. I think about the. Gay pride parades where if you and I got together and we had a straight day parade, I don't think they'd let us. But if we did, we wouldn't be doing the things they're doing. We wouldn't be behaving toward our spouse. We wouldn't be behaving toward our wife. We wouldn't be behaving toward our family the way they behave to one another. Because they're not ashamed. Neither do they know how to blush anymore. They don't care. They choose willful disobedience away from what God wants to do. The Lord says, their time of punishment will come. I will surely consume them, says the Lord. No grapes will be on the vine, no figs in the fig tree. And the leaf will fade, and the things I have given them will pass away from them. So why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves and let us enter the fortified city. See, they're putting their hope. Well, let's not sit out here. We'll go get in the big city because the city will take care of us. Or, or you know, we got a, a pretty studly uh, military and they'll always be able to, to whoop whoever's coming. Uh, the Lord says not to put your faith and hope in all those things. Let us be silent there, they say, for the Lord our God has put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. And so we looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, there was trouble. Really, it's our own fault as human beings because God knows what we tend to win a fight. And that is, we draw closer to God the harder times are. We want peace. But really, look at the life of Moses. I used to think about retirement. You know, it's kind of a pipe dream. For me, it's a pipe dream. It's kind of a pipe dream, but I'd think about it once in a while. You know, that time when I could take my ease, pick up my feet and say, my work on earth is done. Yeah, you know when Moses got to say that? The day he died. That was it. Prior to that, God's like, hey, Mo, come on, brother. We got stuff to do. He's 120 years old, couldn't catch a break. What did he know? He knew that his, everything he needed was found when he was serving the Lord, when he was doing what God called him to do. That was what he was there for. How much of that life is it? Just that little speck, right? What does it affect? All of it. All of eternity. We're laying up treasures in heaven, aren't we? Yeah, we we need to get cracking. We need to be busy. We need to be moving. The snorting of his horses was heard from Dan. That's the horses of Babylon coming down. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones. For they have come and devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those who dwell in it. So here they come. Dan was the north. Okay, that's the furthest north you can go. They've already been conquered. Now they're coming to the south. They can hear the horses. For behold, I will send serpents among you, vipers which cannot be charmed, and they will bite you, says the Lord that sound familiar? It's a story in the book of Numbers, right? Children of Israel complaining against the Lord, complaining, and the Lord sent fiery serpents. And those fiery serpents went around and started biting people, and people were dying. And Moses calls out on the Lord, Lord, what's going on? What do we need to do? That just doesn't sound like a cool time to me. I'm not a big fan of snakes. And especially if snakes are everywhere, and people are getting bit. Sounds like a nightmare. I've had a couple of nightmares like that before. So he calls out to the Lord and the Lord says, I want you to take a serpent and affix it to a brass pole and raise it up in the midst of the camp. And you tell everyone, if they'll look to the brass serpent on the pole, brass speaking of judgment, serpent speaking of sin, sin being judged, hanging on a pole, rod, a tree, Sin judged, you look at it, and they'll be healed. And Jesus came and said in John chapter 3, Just as a serpent was raised up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be raised up. And if I am raised up, I will draw all men to myself. Bringing all men to him. Well, Jeremiah says, I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint within me. Listen, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country is not the Lord in Zion, is not her king in her. No, God left and you didn't know it. Isn't that sad? I mean, look at the, the leaders, people who started well and didn't finish well like Saul, King Saul. King Saul at one time was anointed with the Holy Spirit. At one time he was doing God's work. And then the scripture says that the Holy Spirit was taken from him and he didn't know. It's just gone. And the anointing was laid upon David. Thankfully today the Holy Spirit is on the entire body of Christ. and Not just on the servants of God for the time that God's called them. It's a little bit different situation for the, in, in the New Testament. But what do we see they're saying, isn't the Lord here? Lord, where are you? Listen, the Lord has already told them, call on them other gods you've been praying to. Call on those other gods you've been worshiping. Call on those other things where your trust is really at. And that's a challenge for me. Because let's face it, we live in a land of plenty. If I don't have milk, I don't have to pray, Lord, really need milk. God, I need you to meet my needs. What do I do? Go down to the store. Buy another gallon of milk. I'm usually irritated. Because <laughs> Joe probably poured six 32 ounce glasses of milk. Took two drinks and dumped that out in a sink. <laughs> but I know I've been to places. Where that they're hours from the nearest store. They don't have a car. And they don't have any money. And when they're out of milk or out of food. They pray. Where's my trust really? Is my trust really in the Lord? Do I really trust in Him? I know verbally, I, I I understand, I I believe. But the circumstances of my life don't always require that I have to live trusting. So I have to ask myself, am I trusting? Or am I trusting in the pocketbook? Or am I trusting in the bank account? Or am I trusting in my ability to To plan for the future so I have enough money for then. Who's to say that's even here? There's been a generation that woke up and it was all gone. There was nothing. They could go to the bank and say, yeah, but I gave you my money. Sorry. It's not here. Nor is it coming back. Where is our trust really? Is our trust really in the Lord? Do we really put our faith in Him? That's how we want to live. Why have they provoked me to anger? The Lord says with their carved images and foreign idols. Verse 20 is the saddest verse in the entire Bible. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. That's sad. I don't want that verse being read over me ever. The idea is, listen, we we had the first harvest and it wasn't so good, so we were looking forward to the summer harvest, but there was no summer harvest. There's no harvest at all. There's nothing. It's all gone. And we're not saved. God promised his people in his word, trust in me. You work six days, take the seventh day off. You work the land for six years, take the seventh year off. And on that sixth year, I'll give you double. You give the land a rest and you live your life just obeying me, just follow me. And the people never did it. For 490 years, they never did it. We come to the New Testament, praise God, Jesus says, I am the Sabbath rest. Where do I find my rest? In the six days on, one day off, or in Jesus Christ? I find it in Jesus Christ today. But what other ways am I disobeying God? What other simple ways is God speaking to my heart, saying, Jackie, this is how I want you to live your life. This is how I want you to walk. This is just simple things. We don't have to get into the complex. We don't have to get complex with the Word of God before we find areas where we're being disobedient. And in that, am I going to willfully continue to walk in that disobedience or am I really going to say, no, I want to live that crazy life that says I'm fully committed to you, Lord. Whatever you, whatever you got laid out for me, however it looks, I want to follow Him. Live my life for Him. Totally, completely given. For the hurt... Of my daughter, the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Jeremiah, called the weeping prophet, says, whatever happens to these people happens to me. Whatever happens to our nations happening to us. We can detach ourselves and say, you know, yeah, that's not me. But it's us. It's us. Because we couldn't get here where we are today the church was doing what the church was supposed to do the church is being who she's supposed to be but i can't be forward looking and spend all my time looking backwards right jesus said if you put your hand to the plow no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of god so i can't look back what did paul say forgetting those things which lie behind i press on i press forward toward who Lord Jesus Christ. So what's that mean? What am I going to do now? I can't cry over spilt milk. So what do I do now? I need to live my life for Jesus. Listen, look at the world. If you think we should wait longer and I'll live for Jesus next year, you're crazy. The world is sideways, man. Oh, it's always been sideways. man. I've been around a long time. There's definitely some things I don't remember. My whole life, I don't remember very many tidal waves. But I can think of two right off the top of my head right now, and that's recent history. There have been a lot of earthquakes, but there ain't never been one like we just had. The Bible says there will be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in various places. Famine, pestilence, natural disasters. The end is not yet. It is the beginning of birth pains. There's definitely no time to be playing around with, do I believe, am I committed to the Lord? Remember the little speck and that big string? We're in the little speck. What we do now echoes in eternity. We want to live our life for what God is calling us to. Being who God has called us to. In verse 22, there's no balm in Gilead. There's no physician there. Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? There's no medicine we can take. There's no doctor to go to. Nobody can heal this, this hurt that is ailing us. The only thing that heals what's ailing us, what's ailing our country, what's ailing the world is a Revival. Pouring out of God's Spirit upon God's people to affect the world around them. We need one, Amen. and we can pray that it'll start somewhere else or with someone else. But I'm praying it starts with us yes. here Amen. in Buu, Idaho. Why not? There's people in Buell that are perishing without the Lord every day. they need the Lord. They need the Lord. No doctor can help them. Chapter nine, verse one. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. That was the heart of Jeremiah for his people. Is that your heart today for the lost? The fact that that somebody somewhere every moment of the day is going into eternity without Christ because that's the way Jeremiah felt weeping sorrowful for those who were who were going without the Lord. What's our job? Is our job to save them? No, the scripture says our job is just to tell just to bear witness to the truth of what God's doing. Oh that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers and I might leave my people and go away for they're all adulterers an assembly of treacherous men see even Jeremiah thought about he says man I wish I could go to Coeur and get myself a, a house off the grid when nobody around me and nobody knows I'm there and I just live away from all these sinners I, sorry that's not what God called Jeremiah he called Jeremiah to be a witness in the middle of Jerusalem in one of the worst times of their history. And so that's where he would be. And like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. And they are not valiant for the truth on the earth. And it's like, it's like reading a, a concept about the world we live in. You go to school today and they'll tell you that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Funny thing is, that's an absolute statement. So to accept that statement would be to believe in itself that there's absolute truth. Professing themselves to be wise, they become as fools. They reject the truth. They throw the truth out. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to this neighbor. And do not trust any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant. Literally, it means every brother is a Jacob. And every neighbor will walk with slanderers, gossipers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, and they weary themselves to commit iniquity. It sounds like he was at the Democratic and the Republican Convention last time they got together. Because none of them people can tell the truth. I don't care who they are. They are all a pack of liars. Don't intend to do anything they say. And then they want to know why nobody shows up to vote. Well, I don't know. Could be because I can't have any idea who to vote for. you lied so much you believe what you're saying. This is the way it was in Israel Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will refine them and try them. For how shall I deal with the daughter of my people? There's going to be consequences. You all saw what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not homosexuality. Homosexuality was the effect of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was that they had... The abundance of money, the abundance of time, they were idle, and they did not care for the poor. Somewhere, somebody's got to give account for living in the richest country of the nation and letting children starve around the world with silos full of grain. Meanwhile, spending $800 billion for a plane And it don't even cost a fraction of that to feed them kids. Not even a fraction. And that guy, the first pilot that takes the plane, is not going to crash a dumb thing anyway. And then they're going to shoot missiles that cost a couple million dollars to blow up the plane that crashed so nobody finds the stuff that's on the plane that crashed that they paid $800 billion for. But we let the world starve. That's not okay. Okay. God says he cares about the fatherless, the widow, the weak, the alien. We've been given a lot as a nation. But we, to me, we sound just like Israel, just like what we're reading about to me. There's consequences to be had. The tongue is an arrow shot out. It's a weapon. It speaks deceit. The people have truth decay. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth. But in his heart he lies in wait. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? I will take up a weeping and a wailing for the mountains and for the dwelling places of the wilderness, a lamentation because they are burned up so that no one can pass through. Nor can men hear the voice of the cattle. Both the birds of the heavens and the beasts have fled, they are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a den of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. And ultimately, that's what God does. He takes them to that place. But I don't want to leave us in that place. So turn with me just briefly to Psalm 125. just uh, as we go into a time of prayer, I just want you to meditate, Selah, on this first verse of Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Those who trust in the Lord shall stand and not be moved. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening, Lord Jesus, and God, we just ask, as we just have a time of open prayer right now, just seeking your face, God, just coming before you, Lord, we pray, God, that we would be convicted to the point, Lord, that we would not just be satisfied with going through the motions. We can all improve, we can all make changes, we can all do something different, we can all be more committed, we can all repent of that which holds us back and live our lives wide open for you. Lord, I pray, God, by the power of your Spirit, as we study Jeremiah, as we see the similarities between his nation and ours, Lord, may we not wonder why we're not in prophecy. For we're only legends in our own minds. But rather, Lord, may we wonder, what can I do how can I walk closer to you? How can I be more committed? How can I not be just another liar in a den of thieves? How can I bear witness to the truth? How can I rightly divide the word? How can I... Be what you're calling me to be. We don't need to be weak except in ourselves that we might be strong in Him. For when I am weak, then He is strong. We don't need to glory in our victories where Paul said he would glory in his affliction. Lord, we pray, God, that you would just revive us again. Give us opportunity to make our dot, our small little fraction of life that we spend here on this earth, count. That we make it count for eternity, that we lay up treasures in heaven because that's what you call us to. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified and magnified in us, through us, as we reach out to a nation that needs to know you. For just like Israel, judgment is coming. Hearts need to be turned to you. May we be tools fit for use in the Master's hand.